Okay, you got your headphones on? Yes. Your microphone is going? Yes. Are you recording? Yes. Hello, Barbara. Hello, Jonathan. Welcome to Global Storytellers, the podcast. Our show aims to share stories from all over the planet to show our common humanity and save the world. We global storytellers believe we can do it one story at a time. This week's guest is the Dutch visual artist and filmmaker Barbara van den Bogaert, and she's a little bit different from our usual guests. Barbara, before you tell your story, I think it's important that the people who are listening to this know and understand that you're not just any old guest, right? You're like the creator of the global storytellers.global thing that I joke at at the end of the podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm sorry for the for the URL. For the URL? Yeah. I think it's fantastic, global storytellers.global. Who knew it existed? So, Barbara, this is story that you're going to tell is actually the story about how you got the idea for Global Storytellers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It will take us a long time back, but we will finish at the present. All right. So this is Barbara from the Bogart, and this is her story about how Global Storytellers got started. When I was 10 years old in my classroom, we had this map hanging on the wall and it was the map of the world. We all had one at what time in our classroom, I believe. And my teacher told me that the lines I saw were called borders. This map and my teacher started shaping my perception of the world, a world with lines. And I had to learn which country is which. And these lines were real to me. They became real to me. I believe that if you look at the earth from a distance, you would see lines. But, you know, I never gave it so much thought because it was just a lesson in geography and I was eight years old and, you know, I could understand why it was useful to know where Spain was or the United States. I might go there someday. But then one evening when I was 12, I was watching TV and this was the moment that Webbo Ockels went into orbit in a space shuttle. And I'm Dutch, and he was the first Dutch astronaut to ever go there. Yeah, they explained about the rockets and the shuttle, and it gave me this immense feeling of freedom just by looking at him, you know, flying around in his aircraft. I had no idea at that point that watching this show about an astronaut would change everything for me. So I saw him eating dinner from tubes. I saw him interact with the other astronauts, and then I saw him approaching the window of the shuttle and I just couldn't wait until he got there because I wanted to look down at our planet and he looked out and I looked down with him and we saw the earth but I didn't recognize it. Of course I saw our blue oceans and I saw the land with green and yellow and gray and brown but I could not see lights. Where are those lines? Where are the borders they told me about so many years ago? And I had to learn them. Where are they? The earth is supposed to have lines, I thought. It was completely confusing. So it was years before I fully understood that these lines were made up. They were fiction. It disappointed me. They existed only on paper and in our heads. 
and it made me feel sad. But it also made me feel optimistic because as long as it is in our heads, you know, we can tell another story. We can change the story. More so because with the understanding that realization grew that many people believed in these lines as necessary barriers. It made them feel safe, I heard them say. Or I heard them say in a newspaper or in a newscast, this is our land, this is our nation, as if they owned it. We are different, I heard them say. We are better than they are, I heard them say. I realized that these lines, these borders were fake. These lines keep people separated. They turn the people on the other side of the fake line into others. The lines cause wars and an inequitable distribution of wealth and basically all of mankind's problems. And I just wanted to get rid of them. In fact, it became my life's mission, you could say, to erase the lines from people's belief systems. Create new stories. I wanted to end this phony disconnection and fear of the other, and I wanted to banish it from the earth and have everyone on our planet become one happy human family. And there I was, sitting with my idealistic mission. Every now and then, I would bring it up to a friend or acquaintance, and I'd always hope they would understand and share my passion. But that almost never happened. They would look at me, tired, overwhelmed maybe. And sometimes I even saw pity in their eyes. And they would say, well, it's just the way it is. Just accept it. You can't do anything about it. It's always been this way, and it will always stay this way. I wanted to stand up and leave, but I'm a good girl, so instead I'd sit quietly while slowly simmered and get more frustrated. One time, I was sitting outside on a sunny day with a friend of mine. We got to talking about the state our world is in, and we had this nice conversation. I thought, you know, this real exchange about perspectives and views and the news. And I told her about my plan to start a new company. And I was so passionate about it, so happy. And this company would all be about gathering and sharing stories from all over the world with the purpose to tap into our shared humanity. I told her that I believe that when we share and listen to each other's personal stories, we will realize we are one people in all the ways that truly matter. And then she said very condescendingly, Oh, you're such an idealist. And I must say, I got this reaction a lot. Then in 2015, I saw the image of Alan Kurdi all over the news. Alan Kurdi's family had fled the war in Syria. And they were trying to get to Europe, smuggled across the Mediterranean Sea in an overfull boat. Alan and his family all drowned. He was found, washed up. I'm sure you all remember this image, face down on a sandy beach. I was completely devastated. I cried that day, long and hard, and what caused this, I didn't know. At first, it could not only be the war. It could not only be the war. It was those lines, you know, that we believe in, that we believe separates us from caring for one another. It's those lines that are not there. The borders did it. They drowned this innocent little boy. It's at moments like this where I start to think maybe all the naysayers are right. Maybe I would never see a borderless world in my lifetime. Maybe this is just the way it is and always will be. But that night, I had a dream. 
I saw a little boy lying face down. Only his body wasn't on a beach. His whole body spanned the globe. He was sleeping peacefully upon the whole face of the earth. I saw his chest rise and I saw his little fingers wiggle. The earth fed him. It gave him oxygen, shelter and safety. I also saw the lines. This wasn't Robo Ockel's earth. This was just like the map I saw hanging in my classroom so many years ago. But then, one by one, all the lines started to fly off the earth and turn into little pink balloons. And the little pink balloons just flew off into space and were gone. In my dream, Wubbo's earth appeared. My borderless earth appeared. And so the next morning I got up and I got going. I started an organization called Global Storytellers and I kept on believing that telling stories, asking questions and listening to each other would help create more community, more connection between people, more understanding. So me and this team of beautiful people started thinking of ways to bring stories back into our daily lives. So a week before Christmas, I was sitting in front of my computer about to start an experiment, the very first global storytellers campfire on Zoom. Four storytellers from the US, from Morocco, from South Africa and from Lithuania, and two musicians from Israel and from Finland were ready to share what lives inside them. We were waiting for our audience to arrive. The music started. We opened the Zoom room. And one by one, 50 people from over 10 different countries entered our virtual campfire. They had lit candles and opened bottles of wine in their darkened, cozy living rooms. We could all see them sitting there with their warm blankets. They sat and listened together to stories and music from all over the world. And while I cannot prove this, I think I saw a few pink balloons float off the earth and disappear into the darkness of space. What a lovely story. Thank you. You okay, Barbara? Kinda. It goes that far back, huh? How old were you at the beginning? Ten. Only ten. And you remember distinctly this happening? Like you're looking at the map and you're thinking to yourself, well, that's what the world is. It looks like that. Yeah, it's a flat thing, you know, with all these lines. We're so lucky they're not there. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the big question. You met a lot of people who thought that you were an idealist and who thought that you were maybe naive. Did people call you naive? Yeah, very, very often. (laughs) Yes, very often. So, uh, I I mean, I'm not surprised to hear that. People who espouse your beliefs are often called naive and idealists and given a hard time. Um, But then they go off maybe and they go work for an NGO or they go off and work for some kind of a big international organization. Um, But what you decided to do was to tell stories. And I think the real question is, is why did you think that storytelling was the medium that you needed to use to bring people together. Where does that come from? Well, then I just recently realized that my connection to stories started very young. 
I only realized it last November uh, because on the 20th of November 2020, my father passed away. Three days after he passed, I was writing him a letter and I hadn't decided yet if I would read it out loud during the funeral to him and to all the people present. It is so dear to me, this moment, because while I was writing and truly connecting to him and to us and our memories, an image of a red book came into my mind. And I immediately recognized it as the very tale book of Grimm that my parents gave me for Christmas when I was eight years old. And I didn't understand really at that time why this book popped up in my mind. I just knew I had to find it and it was important. So I searched my house for the book that has this red cover of cloth and a drawing of Frau Holle. I don't know how you say it in English, but uh, it has Frau Holle on it. And I could not find it at first, but then I saw it standing there on one of my bookshelves. So I took it out and opened the book immediately. And while searching, I remembered that my father and my mother wrote something on the first page. My father often did this. He was telling stories in books he gave to people or on postcards he gave for birthdays or for Christmas. So I opened the book and I was so touched by seeing my father's handwriting. And my mother wrote me that I was her fairy tale princess, which I think is so sweet to read <laughs> and really drink in because indeed aren't our children pure magic. So I saw that my father wrote me a story. It is in Dutch, but I tried to translate it. I will read it to you now. <laughs> the story goes like this. In a dark forest on a bright spot, there lives a small goblin. He is sitting on a fence and he looks at a little girl who is packing her suitcase for an adventure. Do you know where she will go? She will visit the Frog King and Iron Hendrik until she finds the golden key in the end. The goblin thought about this journey and said, Okay, I will wait here until you return, and I will be sitting here being bored, but that will be over as soon as you return with all your stories. And then I realized it. My father is my storyteller. I grew up with a storyteller. I never realized it that specifically, but it was just who he was. And in this small fairy tale, he sends me into the world and encounter my own stories and the stories of others. With his daughter being only eight, he knew what he wished for me. To live a full and adventurous life, meeting people, listening to their stories and bringing them home, to hold them and share them with a bored goblin <laughs> or someone else who wishes to listen. But I'm still blown away by the magic of this moment. And, it, and it's a moment that sent your life in a certain direction, didn't it? I have a very optimistic worldview. And yeah, this is what they gave me, I think. I know there is a lot of hardship, but I also see that people are so resilient. We are so, so resilient. And I think that us coming together, our cooperation, our working together on things, you know, it's just what gives me chills of happiness creating together. Oh, Barbara, you're so naive. Yeah, I am. And proud of it. Barbara van den Boogaard is the founder 
of Global Storytellers. And Barbara also has another company called Uma Visual Storytellers at umamedia.nl, where you can see her work for the eye. Global Storytellers, the podcast, is a production of Global Storytellers, and this episode was created by Bear Media. You can find more stories and even coffee cups with stories in them and stationery with stories on them, and more episodes of this show at globalstorytellers.global. I did not make that up. Globalstorytellers.global. Also, we're new, so you know what that means. Leave glowing messages on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or tell a friend so we can make more stories at no charge whatsoever. This is not a given anymore. That's it for this episode. I'm Jonathan Gruber saying, do something story-worthy today.